You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff and having fun while we learn. You can always contact the show, send something to our mailbag at Let's Talk Torah, no apostrophes, Let's Talk Torah at gmail.com and of course I will answer as many questions as possible. As you know, I talk about LinkedIn, my connections on LinkedIn, and if you're not familiar with LinkedIn, there's like a little line under the person's picture that describes who they are. Well, under Shira Parnas' description, it says energy nerd, and I couldn't understand what that meant. It sounded so interesting. The truth is it has to do with her business, but it was well worth connecting with Shira, not because of her business, but really because of who she is and what she likes to talk about. And let's find out. Shira, how are you today? Shira, why can't you hear me? David, why can't you hear me? I All could right. hear you. All right, now I we can know. hear you. Now we're okay. good. <laughs> Try again. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Excellent. Enjoying the weather. It got a little bit cooler. Um, it was, well... I was actually in your neighborhood last week where it was broiling. Oh, really? Yeah, I was in Lakewood for Shabbos. I had a nephew's bar mitzvah, and they had a tent with air conditioning, which worked perfect at night. Didn't work so well during the day. Ooh. But, but the house <laughs> had the air conditioning. Not the best week for that. <laughs> no, not the best week. But it was, really, it was really very, very good. We had a great time, drove back, went through pouring rain, but we are all safely back. So, Shira, wow. I, I start every guest with the same question, and that is, who is Shira Parnas? Ooh. <laughs> That's a very hard-hitting question. question. <laughs> Answer it any way you um, wish. Okay. So... I think the best way that I would answer that question is that, at least I hope, that I am a, a new person every day. Um, not entirely a new person, but an improved version, I guess, of who Shira Parnas was yesterday. I guess that's sort of like the cornerstone of who I would say I am um, in the sense that, you know, I, I hope that I'm constantly um, evolving and reflecting on what is going on around me, on what I'm experiencing and trying to take the messages from it and um, incorporate it into, you know, the new version of me. <laughs> that is a great answer. Are you familiar? There's a famous story with Avsadia Gain. I would tell you, you could stop me, but nobody else knows the story. Um, one day Avsadia Gain was from the, I mean, he lived a thousand years ago, a great, one of the great um, scholars, rabbis back in uh, Babylonia, probably Iran, Iraq. So a student saw him crying. So the student said to his teacher, he said, what are you crying for? He says, because I'm a new person today. I learned stuff yesterday that I didn't know today. So the student said, great, so you're a greater person today. So he says, yeah, but I'm crying that yesterday I wasn't the greater person. So that concept <laughs> is very good. Very amazing. 
So, well, you know, uh, I mean, <laughs> I think for me, I think I, I don't know if I cry about the person I was yesterday as much as kind of feel like maybe a sense of overwhelm about who I am now compared with like who I really would like to be and how much, you know, how much work I think it might take to get there. Um, but as long as, you know, I could look back at who I was yesterday or, you know, maybe it's hard to say yesterday, but a year ago today and see, you know, the progress I've made, then I'm like, okay, at least I'm on my journey. At least, you know, at least I'm over time. You see the shifts and, you know, we'll get there. <laughs> Amazing. So let's, uh, we're probably jumping ahead, but for example, in what areas of your life do you mean that you're, that you're a changed person from today than what you were, I don't know, six months ago, a year ago in, in what areas or maybe all areas? Um, yeah, so I mean, I think it spans a couple of different areas, but there are definitely like anyone who knows me knows like over time I get kind of um, very involved in a certain topic or a certain aspect and I and I just become obsessive about it and I, you know, try to read and learn and ask and I'm constantly um, trying to get a good grasp around like the fundamentals of that concept. Um, and then like, you know, every couple of, either months or years, that kind of shifts. And hopefully um, I, it's because I kind of incorporate at least a good amount of what I've learned. And then I'm still learning and, and you know, continuing to explore that, but I kind of get like a new pet project. <laughs> so I'll say my most recent pet project, probably in the last year, because you wanted to know, you know, what what is that is, is um, it's probably, uh, it started as a parenting journey, um, but it turned into also like a whole self-development journey. <laughs> um, so that's that's probably like my biggest current current like uh, big topic. Um, and I think the 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 concept of parenting to me earlier on meant more about like raising obedient children who do the right thing. And it became more about um, raising human beings and, you know, all that that entails, like their, their whole human experience, um, which I guess is why it kind of also turned into like my own, you know, exploration of, of my own self. Um, so that I guess, I guess that's an area where I've been really doing a lot of work in and research and, and learning um, and, and, you know, I could, I could really say that definitely seeing some changes, though I'm not where I would like to be, of course, um, seeing some changes, you know, compared with where I was, you know, just looking back. Uh, so as you're improving, uh, we'll find out how, um, do you make your friends nervous when you tell them this is something <laughs> new they should be doing because you're doing it? Um, I think, like, I just, you know, my title, Energy Nerd, the nerd piece is really like me in all aspects of my life happens to be in my business. I'm in the business of energy. So I nerd out about, you know, all of that. But then I, I guess like in these other areas, whatever it is that I'm, you know, passionate about and, and learning, um, I kind of nerd out about it. And does it make my friends nervous? I mean, I definitely love sharing whatever I'm learning or love to explore it with other people because I learn best like that. Like I learn best experientially and also through conversation. So like I'll learn something, but then I have to talk it out with someone. Um, 
so I definitely, you know, I definitely do a lot of <laughs> sharing and getting so excited about these things, um, you know, whatever it is at that point. And but I, I don't know. I think I find I I think I find the right the right address. <laughs> Hopefully, I find someone who like finds it interesting. So you know, in my circle of people, I'll, I'll like I'll obsess about you know I'll, I'll nerd out over it with someone who who might appreciate it. Hopefully, hopefully you should ask them though. I don't know. Well, <laughs> Maybe I'll you... ask them after this call. <laughs> I know your oldest is eight, so give it seven or eight years. They become teenagers and see what happens when you obsess with them if they do talk to you, <laughs> don't talk to you. Oh my, forget about that new idea. But no, you shouldn't give up. It's always a good idea. <laughs> you know, but just as a side, um, the Vilna Gone said um, that the, the the challenge of people in their lifetime is to make themselves into a better person, right? To, to get those good midos, we say. But, but change in a person is the most difficult. Most of us become comfortable. We don't want to change. We don't want to hear new ideas. We don't want to look into new things because that might say, well, yesterday wasn't such a good person, which is really fascinating because you're really just the opposite of that. You're not afraid to try something new, to look into something new while, look, I, you look around, most people, whatever they were 10 years ago, they may not be that much different today. And that's not you, which is fascinating. I actually heard a line, and of course I'm messing it up. I don't, I don't remember exactly what the quote was, but it was something speaking to that, saying like, you know, there's no shame in admitting that you were previously speaking from a less informed place or something. You know, if you if you might have um, been on one side of a debate, if there's like a, you know, heavily um, uh, discussed political debate or, you know, something, and you kind of like took one side and then, um, later realized that, you know, maybe you hear merit to the other side, or maybe, you know, there's a more nuanced perspective that you now understand. And, um, I think a lot of people just like double down on their, you know, whatever it was that they started out believing because it's like uncomfortable. You're like, you know, especially if you were saying things publicly and then you're like, oh my goodness, you know, I look like a hypocrite or I'm, you know, talking out of both sides of my mouth. But um, actually, you know, there's <laughs> like that quote said, there's really no shame in, in admitting that you were previously speaking from a less informed place. And, um, but it, it definitely takes courage, you know, to, to admit that something you were doing or saying previously you know, was not right or was not true. <laughs> and, and our political environment, that's really, which I don't get into politics, but that's the difficulty. <laughs> Whatever side you're on, you have to fight. You're, people are not open to listening to other people's feelings, thoughts, ideas. I mean, forget politics. Uh, my family is planning, or I am planning for the family, a trip, what we call to the Upper Peninsula. Hikes, boats, waterfalls, uh, sulaks, all kinds of, for me and my kids, very sounds, exciting. Yeah, it sounds so nice. <laughs> right. But my wife, on the other hand, is sitting there, we're talking by breakfast, and she says, you know, for me, vacation is just like sitting by the water. Like, do I have to go on all these trips? And <laughs> you're going here and running here and waking up early and I want to wake up late. And I'm thinking, right, because she's very comfortable in in running her house and and how she views vacation, and me and the kids are not. So it should be fascinating. We may leave her behind. But in any case, <laughs> so let's, uh, let's back up. Whatever topic you're going to pick, how do you go ahead? And it's one of the things I know we talked about. Um, when, when, 
we talk about you're, you're not as well informed and you may want to want to look at something a little differently. How do you research something to decide what's right, what's wrong? What do you do? Yeah, so I mean it's 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 a hard thing because it's really a delicate balance. I know that I don't know everything. I don't know nearly everything. Um, there are a lot of people who are a lot smarter than me. There are textbooks and you know in in Jewish literature going back you know generations of people who are just a lot greater than me or a lot smarter than me or a lot more learned than me, um, and. And I, I recognize that. And however, um, if if I'm told something and it's just not resonating, it just, you know, it doesn't feel right. And someone will like back it up with a source, you know, saying, well, so-and-so said this. Um, or even, you know, it's actually in the Torah or, you know, something like that. Then I'm like, I mean, I, I know that I have a limited capacity to, you know, my, my intellect is limited. Um, God has, you know, finite ability. I, I don't, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really categorizing this well, but, you know, obviously like I can't understand the way the whole world works. If, you know, I once heard someone say like, if you, um, if you have questions on God, that's actually a good thing because um, who would want to be as like informed and as knowledgeable as their God? Like, shouldn't we be, take comfort in the fact that we don't know as much as him? I, I say um, it all the so, time. I say it all the time. If I if I knew, understood everything God wanted, that God is not for me. Right? It's got to be <laughs> where it's beyond what I can understand that, and I do the best I could. So, so let's let's right. take it back. So something so with, doesn't resonate. With, so, and you know that you can't understand everything, but you want an arrow. So what do you do? Yeah. So I mean, I think what I do is I really just start to pay attention to like. How did that hit me? Why doesn't it resonate? What is bothering me? Um, and I won't usually, I won't necessarily have like an answer right away, but I'll, I'll, that will just kind of be like that little spark. Like it will start the, you know, it'll start like the fire. Um, and then I guess I don't even think it's like a conscious process, but over the next couple of, you know, weeks or months or, you know, whatever the process is, usually I'll start kind of like picking up little pieces of information or having the conversation with different people, starting that conversation, maybe, you know, doing a quick search or asking my husband and, you know, um, he'll, he'll bring up like sources and, and different, um, different commentaries around this topic. And like, it's not like I have a question, I have a burning need to answer it. And then I get the answer, you know, the next day and like, and now I'm good. Like it's, it's usually just like a, a slow process um, where I start reflecting on what I'm hearing and kind of starting to make sense of like, where is my question? Where is like, what's my paradigm that I'm operating within? And does this fit or not? And is my paradigm wrong? And does that need a shift? Or does this, like, is there something else about this that's not, you know, that's not right? And, and I guess like over time, um, I try to just make sense of it and try to get a handle on it. And, and usually what I found is that there's good reason for that, like gut instinct, like that gut reaction of like, this just didn't hit me right. Um, it's usually because either this isn't right, or I don't have enough information to understand this. And so that journey I, I found is, is well worthwhile because usually, um, 
I mean, I don't do well when I don't like what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, I don't like to do things that, you know, that don't feel right. Um, so, you know, usually I, I come to some kind of, I make some kind of headway towards, um, towards, you know, getting to a point where what is right and what feels right are more kind of aligned, you know, and, and work closer together. <laughs> and I think that the reason why this is like something that's so, this itself has become a little bit of a passion for me is because I don't really think it was so, I don't think society at large really encourages so much to like really reflect on how things hit us and, you know, how we feel about things. I think um, we're kind of given experts, you know, in medical world and in, and in the um, Judaism and in, in really so many different areas, there's the experts, they know, you know, they tell you what to do and you're supposed to just follow suit in a sense. Um, and like, again, like I can't, you know, our rabbis, they, they do know. Um, but like in my, you know, in my experience, the rabbis that know best are the ones that know, and then also make sure it hits, you know, it hits you right. Um, because they kind of understand that every person is unique. Every set of circumstances is unique. So there's no real, like absolute in, in, um, in how things are applied. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's a little bit of a delicate balance, but I feel like it's very important to recognize this because like, I don't know, for me, it was freeing to realize that like, you don't just have to bottle, bottle it up. You don't just have to like, um, do what you're told with no questions asked. Um, you get to really explore things you really could. And, you know, people, there are people who will welcome that and who will help you on this. And usually I, at least what I found is that when there are people who they themselves aren't maybe so great in their knowledge or in, you know, in where they're at, they might not welcome the, you know, this kind of exploration, but the, the really great people, um, I think they do because they, you know, and, and in the end you own it. If you're doing something that's just like, you know, someone told me to do this and I want to be a good person or I want to do the right thing. Um, you might do it, but you won't do it. You won't own it. You won't embody it. You won't have the same passion for it as, you know, if it's something that you could really make yours. Um, and I think that's why it's become its own little passion for me because of what I've seen it, you know, mean for me when I could like do something and do it with my whole self. Okay, very, you actually reminded me of two really important points. One is, you may be familiar, the Jewish people said when they accepted the Torah, they said, Nasevenishma, we will do and we will hear. So the question is, what do we need that we will hear? As, as long as you say we will do, so God should be good with it. And that is what they said the first time, and it wasn't good enough. Moses said, not good enough. Then they said, we will do and we will listen. It means like this I cannot be a robot. God wasn't looking to make a bunch of robots. He wants us to think. We have to do, God said so. Great. But I got to do Nishma. I have to go ahead and delve in and try to understand to the best of my ability. There may be a point where I can't go further, but I need to understand what I'm doing so that I'm not a robot. That's the first thing that you were talking about. Actually, I, I never heard that, but really? thank you. I really appreciate that. Okay, <laughs> I can't Let's, believe I never heard it. <laughs> look at that. See, I taught you something. Now, here's the next thing for you, <laughs> and that is when you talk about your gut, um, it is interesting. This my wife tells me all the time. I'm sure you may tell your <laughs> husband all the time. But the Talmud says that women have what we call a bina yaseira, that 
that I don't even know a good translation for it, but gut instinct happens to work pretty good. In other words, there's something to be said that women have an intuition, which is probably also a good word, of what's right, what's wrong, what feels right, what doesn't feel right. And therefore, my wife tells me that I have the beanie, Sarah. This doesn't feel right. And you're going to listen to me. I said, oh, no problem. <laughs> so, um, again, listening to you, I'm hearing that. So, and I appreciate it. And it's good. And I said, just keep going. And my time is flying. <laughs> so, um, and we talked about soapboxes. And we're not going to get to everything. Oh, boy. <laughs> but one thing we talked about, which you, you touched on, was something you called conscious parenting. So we have a couple minutes. Could you talk about one of, part of your journey is your, is your parenting and, and how you want to parent? What is this conscious parenting that you're involved with? Yeah, yeah. So... When my oldest was really little, um, I remember feeling very torn between what I felt like I, my child needed and what I knew was like my job as a parent. So, you know, if my child wants something and they want it and they're crying or, you know, it hurts them or, or you know, I have to do something for them or to them um, as a parent, like, you know, you have to give your kids the shots. It's good for them. Well, I mean, there's a, of course there's a vaccine debate, but, but you know, the the figurative shots, (laughs) um, there's sometimes it hurt, there's something that could hurt them, but that's good for them. Um, and it's your job as the parent to be their parent. Um, but not everything is so black and white. And like, sometimes we confuse where that line is. So let's just say like, you know, your child needs to um, do their homework. I mean, this is obviously wasn't an example then, but maybe it's an example, more of an example now. So um, my child needs to practice reading because, you know, he needs to, he needs to do his reading practice um, so that he doesn't fall behind. But maybe he's, you know, in the middle of playing with his friends and he's putting up a fuss about it. So um, I think the more traditional model is like, I told you what to say. I told you what, you know, what's what we're doing now. And you have to listen. No questions asked and listen right now, like obedience and compliance above all. Um, And like maybe my instinct would be like, does it really matter if he's doing the homework right now? Or like, why can't he do it in, you know, later or tomorrow morning, right before he goes to school? Or like, does it really matter if he comes inside and sits at the table to do it. Or like, maybe he could do it while he's, you know, jumping on the trampoline. Maybe there's a way that I could do it um, where he, where like the boundary is there that we're doing the homework, meaning he's getting the practice he needs, but maybe there's more room to listen to my child, to understand what his needs are and to find a way to get both of those needs met. Meaning my, it's my job to create like the safety boundaries around him to make sure that, you know, he does what he has to do. Um, but what like there in that more traditional model, there wasn't really room for also listening to what my child's needs are and seeing if there's a way to also meet those needs. Not, you know, not not um, permissive parenting, not doing away with boundaries and with, you know, making sure that the child gets what they need. And, you know, making it's not like your job to make sure your child's always happy and never, you know, never has a hard time with what they have to do. But listening to what those needs are and especially like, you know, in this um, in this example, I don't know if it was like so critical, but there are sometimes there, there definitely were sometimes when I, like, I felt like my insides were screaming, like, you know, don't do this to him or don't, you know, make him do this. But then like, I had that other voice in my head saying like, you know, 
you're the parent and and you have to and if you don't if you give in to him then like you know you're 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 doing him a disservice because he needs you to do those things and that's true but i feel like there it, it wasn't um i you know i didn't have the like the ability to listen to my intuition which like which was saying my child needs something more i need to listen to what my child needs while also you know providing that safe environment for them um and uh yeah, I, I think that's been such a big, you know, such a big topic for me, like collaborative problem solving with them. And, you know, they're little, but even my three and a half year old, um, it's amazing how how he could problem solve um, in, you know, with with his siblings. And usually it will take some, you know, it'll take some kind of me facilitating it. Um, but it's amazing how much kids could really do this. And and they learned so much more skill in like how to how to collaborative collaboratively problem solve with each other and you know that's that's so much of a better life skill i feel like than you know than just like learning that they have to be obedient um, so and out. and that doesn't I, take away from the fact that they have to like that i'm their parent and that they have to you know do the important little the, like those important things Shira, I have to jump in now. This was so much fun. If you would believe it, my time is up. My music started playing. They're going to probably start playing it again. Thank you so much for sharing. Just to learn that people should be out there and should just not take everything just because everybody else does it, that in itself is a great lesson. I do appreciate you coming. I hope you enjoyed your time here. We enjoyed you very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. you. A, Thank you for a, having me. Have a great Shabbos. <laughs> You too. <laughs> okay, the music is playing. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you again to our wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to the production team. We have David in the back. I hope I left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it.